Welcome to this week's episode of Safe Room, a horror video game podcast and proud member of Bloody Disgusting's Bloody FM Podcast Network. I'm your host, Jay Krieger. And I'm the other one, Neil Bolt. And to prepare for a certain highly anticipated remake coming later this month, this week we're discussing Visceral Games' 2008 action horror title, Dead Space, in which the player is put into the stompy boots of engineer Isaac Clarke, who becomes stranded aboard the mining vessel, the USG Ishimura, which has been infested with reanimated, hellish corpses of the crew, known as necromorphs. Now it's up to Isaac to navigate the ship in search of his girlfriend Nicole and any remaining survivors in search of a way off the Ishimura and back to Earth. Now, Neil, earlier this week, you and I talked briefly about how you found Dead Space more enjoyable on a replay. Mm. Um, so I figured we would just start with like your initial experience with Dead Space um, and how it changed maybe somewhat drastically uh, yeah. with this last replay. Yeah, I was trying to pick at the bones of it this week, thinking, why was it I didn't get on with Dead Space back in the day uh, that much? And I think it just stems from how I felt about Resident Evil at that time. You know, how it's like, yes, it's horror. Yes, it's this, that, and the other. But it is also kind of action-heavy. Any memory I had of the game never made me think it was that action-heavy. It is, by the way. You know, it's like, you know, you can see that while criticism of the Callisto Protocol comes in about, you know, how action-heavy it is, it was always there in that series, you know, in Dead Space. Um, and I don't, you know, even now I don't think it's a, that effective a lot of the time in what it tries to do in jump scares and things like that. Again, another thing Callisto Protocol does, you know, where it's like jump scare, jump scare, jump scare, jump scare. It's a bit better handled in Dead Space. But so yeah, I was there just thinking, so what is it? What is it this time that has made me go, no, you know what? I like this. And I really do think it's just time and playing other things, and you get that sort of cross-reference of things that may go, oh, no, actually, I like this kind of game, or I like that thing. Like that, you know, I think I discussed it before with stuff like, um, stuff like Borderlands got me into the idea of, like, looting in games and, you know, the more RPG elements of stuff, you know, uh, and then subsequently into RPG games a bit more than I used to be. Um, in much the same way, I would attribute what games like Journey or what remains of Edith Finch really sold me on the idea that, you know, games don't have to, you know, the games can tell a story without you having to beat the shit out of people. You know, it's like, you know, I know that sounds very, you know, ordinary to say <laughs> these days, but it really did just sort of open my eyes up more than I ever thought. And like I said, Dead Space had this whole problem, as I said, of being a bit too much like that, um, sort of Resident Evil stuff that I wasn't into and you know survival horror was in a bad place horror was in a bad place in terms of games everything was a bit iffy nothing really felt like I used to like about it and that's personal growth I think you know you, you of an age in your 20s thinking oh well this doesn't really do it for me now because it doesn't remind me of the things that I liked at the beginning of my 20s you know um, and nowhere was that more clear than in horror you know, where games have changed so much already. You know, like I had this obsession point, as we've pointed out many times, about how I love my survival horror and how it should be. And I don't know, just something about the game back then did not work for me with that. Um, and this time, with everything I've experienced since, and, you know, the Callisto Protocol played its part, I think, because, 
you know, I'm not as harsh on it as most, but you can see where it goes wrong in terms of like doubling down on the things that maybe aren't the strongest points of Dead Space. And in turn kind of makes Dead Space look better than it did. You know, yes, it has flaws. Yes, there's fundamental problems around it. Yes, it's kind of ridiculous that you have a silent protagonist in this game, which is obviously being rectified with the remake and with the sequels, it rectified as well. But yeah, it's just got so much about it that I suppose not just game, but film influences, whatever media has really helped me grow to love more about it. You know, I'm really into the grimy cosmic horror stuff a bit more than I was then maybe, I think, with the exception of maybe Alien 3 was probably the thing that kind of appealed when I saw this game the first time. I was like, ooh, yeah, it's got a little of that vibe to it. But, um, you know, an Event Horizon, whatever, you know. But, yeah, it, it's just, it works on a fundamental level really well because it's you know, copying someone else's homework. You know, it is doing, well, Resident Evil doesn't want to do Resident Evil anymore, so we'll do Resident Evil in space and it's like that's great it works it, it makes sense and now it's like yeah that's great I also kind of admire how they have put it together you know where it's you know it's a game that's clearly you know there's a hub and that takes you to different levels blah 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 and then they are self-contained but and while it's more obvious now than it ever was it still feels like you are on the same in the same place constantly, you know, which I was really surprised about because early on I was thinking, this really does feel like segmented and like chopped apart. But the more you start returning to certain areas and coming back, it starts to feel more like traditional survival horror in a way that Resident Evil 4, 5 never did, you know, because you know, they were moving forwards, always moving forward. You didn't really return to areas, which was something survival horror was synonymous with for me, you know, it's like, and I think it's a great appeal of, um, you know, Soulsborne games and things for many people that, you know, you would sort of loop around, return to places, come back and, and stuff like that. And yeah, it just grew and grew for me. It became this really enjoyable thing, you know, again, flawed stuff, right and wrong with it, but which we'll get into, I'm sure. Fucking hell, was it a magical journey again? It's like, to, to play, you know, to the point where I was like, I want to go into Dead Space 2 again now and uh, see <laughs> where the yeah. difference is like. You know, Dead Space 2 is my favorite of the franchise by far, you know. Likewise. Yeah. And, you know, I love the sequels equally. And it's kind of depressing, you know, that, that we are here in remake territory only 15 years after the series debuted and, you know, not 10 years after the series died. Which is just shocking how um, quickly that franchise died because of you know, peak EA, let's be honest, and uh, the expectations of sales, which apparently has just happened with a Callisto Protocol, where it's like <laughs> the publisher saying, oh, we expect X amount of sales, 5 million sales. It's like, what? <laughs> Fucking Dead Space didn't do that. It's like, it's like, and the big problem with Dead Space and where that franchise went was they had expectations they could never meet. You know, you know and it got killed off and visceral got killed off and it's it's horrible to see and i just something about this game has been born anew for me 
in much the same way I felt about Resident Evil 4, where, you know, I was young, I had certain grudges against games because they weren't what I wanted. You know, and 4, Resident Evil 4 was like a big thing for me back then because you know, Resident Evil was like this special thing to me and it wasn't like those games. Um, you know, but then, you know, I grew up and <laughs> somewhat and uh, appreciated it on its own terms. And yeah, now I appreciate Dead Space on its own terms. I'm really excited to go into the remake. You know, I really, I was anyway, because I felt like the remake would sort of get rid of some of the problems I had with the original. And I still think that's true. I just think there are less fundamental problems and maybe a slight bit of trepidation now where some things are like, well, don't change that because I think that might ruin this or that. But, you know, I would say if you could change anything you know, and keep it changed is any section where you're doing the, the fucking shooting cannons to fucking knock <laughs> meteors and stuff out of the sky. Yeah. Just change them. Yeah. Miracle that this time round did not fail either of those, but, but still they were definitely the bits from the first time of playing it where I was like, fuck off. I hate this shit. I don't like this. It's horrible. Go, go away. But anyway, Jay, that's my feelings on it. <laughs> <laughs> Longer than any SNL monologue. Um, what about you? <laughs> yeah, you know, for me, Dead Space was one of the games that I came back to. You know, I historically had taken breaks from playing games for periods of time, you know, up to like mm. even a year early on, um, just because, you know, I had other life stuff going on or I was just so inundated with movies and diving into them. And, you know, in between a break or a periodic break was I played Resident Evil 4, absolutely loved it, loved the switching up from to a more action-oriented nature, mm -hmm. and then took a substantial break from games playing, you know, games here and there in between yeah. the release of RE4 and Dead Space. But Dead Space was like my big return to horror games, especially big budget horror games, which I hadn't been playing a lot at the time for whatever reason. And the fact that it felt like it was building off of that Resi 4 kind of framework and being more action-oriented while still having this really disturbing atmosphere yeah. that, you know, was like horror films and whatnot and drew a lot of inspirations from them. But at the same time, you know, maybe it was my uh, my short attention span, but there was always <laughs> something to smash or shoot or destroy or, you know, sometimes get eviscerated by yeah. in horrific uh, death animations and whatnot. And so Dead Space taking that framework of gameplay and then applying it to, you know, a subgenre of film that I love or even just a subgenre of horror, mm. that being space horror, right? And putting you within those confines of the Ishimura and the fact that, you know, clearly there's great inspiration from Alien and the Nostromo and whatnot. And you have that very industrial aspect to it. But at the same time, getting to explore a facility that feels more lived in, I think. And that yeah. was always something that really spoke to me with the original Dead Space was that it felt like a space that was not just one long sort of like silver corridor, if yeah. you will, which was one of my issues with Callisto, which we yeah. you know, aren't going to keep referencing, but it's kind of on well, our yeah, brain since it, we never it, got it's, to... It's perfectly relevant right now because sure. yeah, while that game really shouldn't have been advertised as such, you can see a lot of the impact had on it is because it was always going to be compared with Dead Space. Sure, of course. And I feel like as much as people are like, well, there's nothing like it. It's like, it is a lot like it. When, when you really go back to this game, play at least a protocol, it's a lot more 
melee heavy than you remember, I think. You know, a lot more, lots of jump scares, you know, with a very low hit rate in terms of what works and what doesn't. Um, but I kind of like the organic mess of Dead Space 2008 that, you know, jump scares can happen from any direction because the game doesn't care what position you're in. You know, it doesn't wait till you're looking in a certain direction for a jump scare to happen. You just get the musical stab and the noises of the monsters and that's it. And then it's up to you to decide where the fuck is it. And I like that because that was one of the better things that Resident Evil 4 sort of translated the older, uh, the unknown vibe of um, where are our enemies, where are they doing, especially in the later sections with the regenerators and stuff, you know, where you can hear them, you can do that. And it's like, but I don't know exactly where they are yet. And so... I've got to know the environment, you know, when the game starts throwing up little obstacles, like, you know, you have those pockets of anti-grav that just basically would smash you into the ceiling or stuff like that, <laughs> you know, where you really have to sort of navigate those while worrying about where the enemies are. It, it really does get intense. You know, it's um a really great way of doing it. I think it really does add some proper tension into it in a way that feels very classically survival horror. Well, that was the thing, right? I think that for me, what was such a telling, what was so telling about Dead Space really connecting with me, especially, you know, the types of films I was watching at the time and still love was a lot of that sound design, right? Is that even if enemies would spawn right behind you or they would, you know, ambush you from behind, there was always an auditory cue or you could hear them coming before. It wasn't this thing where I ever felt like, oh, well, this is, you know, this is just kind of a cheap thing to get a free hit in basically, which... Might have been an issue that I had with uh, Callisto once or twice with my time with that game. But, you know, with Dead Space, again, it was this full package of crafting an atmosphere that I could relate to other types of media that I was consuming and to kind of get to explore that at my own pace Mm. and to see how you could take that and really apply perhaps more personality to the actual layout of the ship itself uh, for each of those sections, right? Again, it has this tram that basically isolates you from one section to the next. And, you know, they're going to be changing that in the remaster where it's a little more free flowing with how you explore the ship. And also, you know, there's going to be incentives for going back and exploring areas that you've already cleared to get, you know, new resources or unlocks and whatnot. Um, But with the original dead space, I just was appreciative of the fact that it felt like as much time went into designing the environments to be different from one another than just like the enemies, right? Yeah. I think that that's also something that we'll get into is just like the enemy design, which I think is fantastic for this type mm. of game. And, you know, it's not the first space horror uh, game that has kind of taken this idea of like, oh, you're going to have reanimated corpses that are these hellish, basically, evolutions on the uh, human structure and whatnot. But this is still certainly my favorite uh, rendition of that. But, um, you know, I'm curious for you and, you know, having you replay the game and enjoying it even more so, mm. Uh, than you did initially, what's an element of it that stood out to you right away, being a little stronger perhaps than you uh, remembered it being? Well, yeah, I think the first thing that I was saying before was the fact that it gets survival horror in so many ways. You know, it's like where it may lack in places, you know, like I said, with the abundant jump scares that don't need to be quite as abundant, I think it really does put you on the back foot a lot of the time, you know, and... um as much as I don't like the idea of the silent protagonist, 
I think plot-wise it makes a lot of sense in terms of you being this very obedient slave to what's going on. You know, it, it kind of sells it more. Again, that's one of my tiny concerns with the remake that letting Isaac speak maybe might not be a good idea for that story, but I don't really want a guy who's going, huh, what? What's going on? <laughs> so I think all the time like that. I mean, it is one of those games that when you fundamentally look at it, you can see where the joins are in, in taking other games on. You know, there's Half-Life stuff there. There's Alien stuff. There's Event Horizon. There's Resident Evil, whatever. But when you put it all together, it does really work. You know, and I think that's a credit to it. I think it's one of those where ambition outstrips not talent because talent's not the right thing to say here but ambition certainly outstrips what is achieved you know in terms of you know the flaws that are there and i think you are to go on about it again you know the Caliso protocol has those same fundamental flaws it's just which makes you go well then they never really learned it was kind of a fluke that they got what they got and then were able to evolve on it and you know, I would say the same for the Kaliso Protocol. You know, if that gets a sequel, I think they will learn a bit from it and make the pacing different. But then people fucking hated Dead Space 2 for that. So it's <laughs> like, which to me is like, you know, I used to think of it that Dead Space was the alien to Dead Space 2's aliens, which is daft when you think about it now because the pace <laughs> is pretty much the same. It's just Dead Space 2 takes it from the minute you start. It's like, nope, fuck it. Yeah. It's all going off. You, you are just going to be <laughs> yep. in the middle of hell from the start, which makes perfect sense. So it's just, I, it's almost Evil Dead to Evil Dead 2, I would call it. You know, where it's manic, yep. crazy, yep. bloody, over-the-top stuff in the first game. And then the second one is like, yeah, it's the same as the last one, but it's fucking stupid now. You know, that everything's going over, <laughs> flying this way, that way, and the other way. Um, well, the sequel is so phenomenal because it takes every single issue that you could have with the original game and it just cranks it up to 11 yeah. in a way that still all really just flows so well together. Mm. I mean, I was commenting to you something that I didn't remember from the original Dead Space was that when you use that gravity beam to pick things up and move them around, yeah. you can't, you, you, I suppose you literally could hurl items at enemies but it doesn't damage no. them. And that is one of the main elements of the sequel that I think leans a little bit more, in, you know, apart from it being so much fun to hurl shit at yeah. uh, enemies <laughs> and to ragdoll them. But that really does make Dead Space 2 for me feel like a stronger lean into survival horror while not really reeling back on the action yeah. and the scale of that game getting bigger. Because there are moments in this game in replaying Dead Space 1 where I ran out of ammo and I was like, well, now I'm kind of fucked here because melee is completely useless as much as stomping bodies and crates and things like that is fun. Yeah. It does fuck all for damage. Even if when you're swinging around your weapon for melee, it really doesn't do much against the enemies. Um, and especially on the harder difficulties, you don't want to be, you don't want to be, you know, one arm's length away, let alone four or no, five on some it. of these uh, renditions of the necromorphs and whatnot. But uh, taking it back for a moment to the silent protagonist mm. aspect of Isaac, right? It makes sense why, for the for that role, you know, he's this engineer. He's not this, you know, hardened uh, warrior and yeah. whatnot, which is perfect. It's kind of again cribbing a little bit from Alien, right? You've got this the blue collar uh, worker in space that's basically yeah. being exploited by a you know multi trillion dollar company for their own benefit. But 
you know, with the remake, and it makes me think about our conversation we had on Resident Evil 2 recently mm-hmm. about that remake and the fact that, you know, remakes are going to be, for the most part, probably moving forwards, changing elements or adding elements that weren't featured in the original. Yeah. And, you know, we'll have to, of course, wait and see with Dead Space. But what they had said was going to be the case was the added dialogue was going to be more situational. Um, It was going to be more about him commenting on an objective, perhaps, or him having some kind of banter with, you know, the other two crew members and people that he encounters. That's a tough balancing act, right? Because if they're going to include dialogue for him, it's like, okay, that might make it a little more believable that you get to see a little more emotion out of this guy other than, you know, at the very end of the game, he has his one moment of emotion, which, you know, he sees the fate of a character and he like puts his hand up to his face. But that's 10 hours into the game when he really has a reaction to what's happening around him. But with the remake, it's going to be interesting to see if they are going to try to get across a personality or are they going to have him comment on things in a way that later would make Dead Space 2 seem awkward with the portrayal of that character or something like that, right? I think that is a very difficult balancing act of like, okay, not opposed to them including dialogue or something along those lines for that character. It might flesh that character out more, which, you know, the bar's non-existent. He didn't speak in the original game. At the same time, though, it gets into the idea of remakes and the fact that, you know, if we're going to be changing things from the original is that a hindrance for what came after it that mm. now it kind of makes it so far removed from the original that it's kind of like, well, now we're sort of distorting the perception, yeah. I suppose, of the character or the story. You know, it's not as gloom and doom maybe as I, I mean, as it sounds like I'm being about it, but, it, you know, it, fairness, it is that type of thing. Yeah. Yeah. In all fairness, you know, Isaac Clarke as a character is a suit. Yeah, that's it. Yeah. The man, I mean... He's so forgettable that people were up in arms about the way he looked in the remake without realizing that he changed looks in the original trilogy or anyway. And, yeah, you know, it's changing it to the voice actor. And, yeah, stuff that he goes through, you know, it's, you know, even in the DLC stuff, there are characters that you play there that are more memorable than Isaac Clark. You know, it's more about what happens to him, which is why, you know, in the original, him being silent kind of works a bit more and why, as jarring as it is initially to go into two and then be like, oh, he speaks now. So I think it's like, he, yeah, it's been three years and everything that's happened to him and he doesn't speak that much. Um, and he's still very much in Mark Wahlberg mode of just like being shocked by the world around him, you know, but here for more valid reasons. Yeah, it's nice. So, you know, he, he never goes into full on Nathan Drake mode. He's not punning and quipping and, you know, please don't let there be punning and quipping. Please don't let there be, oh, this is the next objective. I better go do this shit. As much as I hate some of the signposting in the original game, you know, in terms of like, you got to go here and yes, you can follow the trail, blah, blah, blah. But sometimes it's like, yeah, but now what do I do? And while, yes, maybe it would be handy to have someone go, Oh, yeah, no, you got to do this next. I don't want it to get into that situation where we have the old, uh, well, not even the old, the, the current Sony model of um, just telling you incessantly what <laughs> right. you've got to do before you've had a chance to think about it. You know, years ago, I might have felt differently because sometimes I just be like, I haven't got time to think about things. Fuck off. And the internet wasn't that good for really providing the right guide for things. But pff, now, 
fuck off. No, it's like, I give me a little chance, please, you know. It's, and I really hope it doesn't go that route by having a more talkative Isaac because there are so many ways that could go wrong. I think, yeah, you've articulated a lot better than what I was trying to say. The idea that if you're going to be giving him dialogue, everything that comes out of his mouth in this remake, there needs to be a reason mm. behind it or it needs to be justifiable, right? Because sure, the there is the bar is non-existent because he didn't speak in the original, but you really don't want to make him having dialogue now be a hindrance to the overall perception of the character or just the game itself, mm. right? You don't want to all of a sudden give a protagonist a personality and you're like, well, I wish he would shut the fuck up, right? <laughs> I don't want to spend the next 10, 11 hours dealing with that. Like you had said, lots of quips and things along that, uh, along those lines. And I think in terms of like having a helping hand, the best example of that for me is still The Last of Us, which gives you enough time to, you know, wander around an area, truly explore it, especially in the sequel when those worlds get so much larger, they give the player the benefit of the doubt that they're either exploring or, you know, perhaps they've put the controller down for a minute to do something before you get that sort of little indicator and the camera orients you to face the direction you're supposed to go. I think it's like 10 minutes or something like that, or maybe it feels like that of you kind of just idly wandering around before you get that helping hand. Um, and that's something that with Dead Space being more open, perhaps, in the remake, right? They're adding new areas, they're fleshing things out. And I think that if they're going to expand upon those areas and have more of an emphasis on backtracking, that is something that needs to be at the front and center of that, right? Something that reminds the player, other than following that beam of light, just being like, hey, remember, you've got other stuff to do, or orienting you sometimes mm -hmm. to head in the right direction. Because there was a few instances, and I'm sure in two and three, it was ironed out a little bit better, but with that uh, ob objective beam that you yeah. can follow on the ground. In the original Dead Space, sometimes it's a little confusing unless you you know go into the menu, go into the map, and then be like, oh, okay, this is where it's telling me to go. Yeah. Sometimes the orienting of that is not as uh, clear cut, yeah. especially in those multiple level uh, environments where you're you know going up between three to four different levels and back and forth and whatnot. Um, it gets a little complicated. Yeah, especially as it's in real time, and, and you, you can't. Yeah pause to get that information mm -hmm. i know they've changed the map to a 2d readable map for the remake so that is kind of handy um it just reminded me actually that there are a couple of things that you know we talk about it aping heroes and evil and borrowing for resident evil but i think where capcom actually went with resident evil in their remakes borrows a lot from what dead space as a series did you know, um, in terms of like, um, how to present your game, how to enrich the lore, if you will, of your story. Um, so especially with two, but even with this, you know, the, the DLC for this game, you know, you had stuff that could like give you better weapons, more powerful weapons, if you want, or better suits like that you could unlock and pay for, which was a byproduct of a time where, you know, they were like, Oh, People buying second-hand games? No, we can't have that <laughs> sort of thing. But and then you know the sequel had like you know the expansion stuff of like uh, severed and where you could play from a different protagonist view and really enrich the worldview of what you were doing, which I really liked. You know, I, I think the DLC the expansions for two and three really just opened up that world, and I think that's why I like them more because there were different perspectives being told in these shorter stories. You know, and you think of what Capcom did with Resident Evil 2 and even Village, you know, uh, you know, they added these extra stories that you could play, 
and even seven actually sorry and i like that i'm glad they learned from that i mean that's very capcom really it's like that you know all through the years you know where they were fucking around with resident evil you know they were always chasing a trend and they were always late to the trend and it, it makes me laugh that when they kind of nailed it was when they chased the trend that ea were doing because of money and to stop you buying second-hand fucking copies and then they just said, no, that would actually be a really cool part of the game to sort of expand on the story we already know. Like um, in Resident Evil 2, just here's the gun shop owner, here's about something about Chief Iron and stuff like that. And yeah, it's cool to have these unique perspectives or like stuff that makes the game more palatable for people who don't really want to or haven't played games in years and would like to sort of have like an edge or, or on what the game does. You know, and you know, like I think in Resident Evil 2, you can buy like a, an unlock key, which basically just gives you like one shot weapons and shit, and you can just sort of fuck off and do whatever <laughs> like that. And that's good because it gives people the chance to, who haven't played since the original games to come back and go, yeah, there we go. You can do that. I'd be surprised if EA don't do that. Yeah. With, with this, yeah. but um, it would be hilarious if they didn't, if in fact, because it's their idea. Yeah. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> but yeah. I, I really like that side of it. It was accessibility by accident, right. but it's there. You know, so yeah. hopefully they just don't make people pay for it. And maybe that would be the next positive step on from that uh, and just give the option to say, no, if you want to play it, however you want to play it, you know, it's like, because there are people who may have played Dead Space 15 years ago. Yeah. They're older now and they're like, don't know if I can play games again, but I really like Dead Space and, and they've got these options to make it easier for them. And I, I would be so happy if people have the option. Not me. Yeah, I, I'm fine, whatever, because, you know, I played through these games and enjoyed them as they were. But I could see with time being a problem that it would be a really cool thing to have. Yeah. And I think that something that we're going to delve into once we come back from our break mm. is the ways in which Dead Space is able to differentiate itself from, you know, whether it's action horror titles or even some survival mm. horror titles, right? I think its approach to combat and that being the, that working really in tandem with the enemy designs and what makes the Necromorphs so unique and how, you know, the lore behind the Necromorphs and the way that they work and operate really does fuel the combat that gives it more of a strategic edge that, like you said, if somebody's coming back to this game for the first time or coming back to games in general this game has an element of combat that is far different than a lot of other survival horror games or just horror games in general. Yeah. Uh, but when we come back from our break, we'll dive a little bit more into Dead Space's combat, enemy design, and uh, our hopes and dreams for the remake that's coming later this month. Yeah. But in a moment, we'll dive into that. And we are back from our break. And let's talk a little bit more about combat and enemy design in Dead Space and what makes that so unique. So... <laughs> brief anecdote I came to this game in college yeah. a couple years after it had actually been released and one of my roommates was just like hey you should play this you like video games you love horror movies you won't shut up about them so you'll probably <laughs> dig this and so I started playing through it and you know immediately was taken with the fact that you have to dismember the limbs of all the enemies right hey that's a fucking gnarly brutal concept that really does kind of play into not only creature designs, but also, you know, body horror and whatnot, that you literally have to dismember your enemy to put them down once and for all. Um, but more importantly, the way in which 
you have to be strategic. You can't kind of just, you know, shoot something in the head 15 times and it'll die, yeah. even though, you know, if you play it on easy, that's a pretty viable strategy on Dead Space. But more importantly, when you're getting swarmed by these enemies, it's more important to immobilize yeah. and then worry about killing them afterwards, yeah. you know, so you can regroup, especially when you're getting assaulted from all angles in the dark, as you usually are. <laughs> but what was I was really taken with, again, is that opening weapon being obviously the plasma cutter now, which is, you know, one of the most well-known weapons, I think, in survival horror games or horror games in general, mostly because a lot of the time with games, you know, you the first gun you get is a pistol, right? You pretty much discard that after the first hour and a half of most games, right? Unless you, you know have to count every single bullet, you're not going to be rely, overly relying on your handgun. But with Dead Space, right, the fact that you can maneuver the blade or the fire path of it to be either vertical or horizontal, yeah. so you can like like a surgeon basically remove limbs from these enemies of varying size, varying design, you know, it really makes that first weapon invaluable yeah. for the rest of the experience. And even though you're going to find all of these firearms throughout the course of the game, the plasma cutter really never gets replaced for no, me. No, no, um, okay. And, uh, you know, people in general, right? Because it is so versatile and it's so effective. And, you know, of course you can upgrade it to make it more powerful, but I would say it's the easiest firearm to use with all of the different permutations of necromorphs. Mm. Um, and just around that brief anecdote out uh, about my playing it in college, there was an achievement, I believe, that if you played through the game only using the plasma cutter, you would unlock this special achievement. And so that's how everybody in my dorm basically <laughs> played that game. It was just with the plasma cutter. And it was the thing that added so much more strategy to the game for us. And you know the fact that if you're going to pick up all these other resources for different weapons, you can sell them and then you can just make the plasma cutter mm. the infinite uh, ultimate weapon. But the thing is, is that I n have never played with any other weapon in the game other than the plasma cutter, whether that's Dead Space 1 or Dead Space 2. I've only ever played with the plasma cutter because it was so no. ingrained in me from that original experience. Um, and that's something that I'm looking forward to with the remake. The fact that the plasma cutter is mostly the same out yeah. of weapon designs, but I was listening to an interview with the creative director and they talked about going back and redesigning each of the weapons from the ground up, mm. um, which I think is going to be an interesting facet to my playing the remake and getting to perhaps experience a little bit more of what the devs had in mind yeah. with that, but also perhaps learning about how those weapons are changed or if they can introduce any new layers of strategy to the game. Yeah, because I think there's a point where the balance feels a bit off where certain weapons problem is certain weapons do work for the right occasion but because you are having things thrust upon you in a way that you can't react quick enough to do anything about them you don't generally use them i but you know for me i i did use you know several weapons that really i think because dead space 2 teaches you better to use other weapons that so you know the pulse rifle was always a thing for me where I, I would use it as a good sort of you know clearing agent for certain things because you could just hammer a bunch of bullets into something, but also because the line cutter you know which you know is like the evolved form of the plasma cutter where you are just doing it in a further line and it sends out like these like disco light mines you know that that blow everything <laughs> up. I like those, you know, that those are the three weapons that I really used throughout my playthrough this time, especially. And, you know, I used other things and then came back. I found I used them only momentarily or for certain fights. And, 
like I said, if you're not remembering exactly where you're going to need to those weapons, you don't use them like that. And it feels like a waste. Like, like the Ripper Blades, cool as they are as a weapon, you know, it's like it's a telekinetic fucking chainsaw, really. <laughs> it's shit as a weapon. It really doesn't mm. work. You know, is that because you know, it doesn't translate what the weapon should do properly? You know, and the same for the sort of size shotgun thing that you have, you know, where you, you, know, you just send out pulse blasts. It's like sometimes they work, sometimes they don't, and it, they, they knock enemies back, sometimes they kill them. It doesn't seem to be a real consistency. And so, yeah, you, you find your favorites, the things that work, and that's it. But there's just too many weapons in that, that first game that feel better to use by the second game I might add and even by the third game um, there's a refinement and, and a balance change that gives you enemies where you're being t- you know, it's telegraphed quicker that you must use these weapons for this fight you know, in a way and that's why I say you know Dead Space's greatest charm and greatest flaw is that it is a bit freeform jazz in terms of what you do with things and you're either going to be lucky enough to benefit from it or you're going to hit the wrong note every time you know and it's going to sound awful and you know i fight the way i am yeah i love music and whatever but you know my rhythm is shit so for a game that benefits from that you know I'm, I'm going to pick the safe options every time. I'm I'm a I'm the drummer of rhythm. You know, it's like that's my <laughs> rhythm period. I I will not hit guitar. I will not hit vocal rhythm. That's it. I could do drumming. Great, that's me. And Dead Space for me, I can do that, which is great that you can play it that way and not have to care about those things. But it's a shame for me that I can't sort of um, experiences of a weapons in a way that really works because of the way the game's structured. And I think that is probably yeah, one of the things that could be improved upon, you know, where you could um, have better use for each of these weapons. Sure. Yeah, the only weapon from that arsenal that I could really think as being more viable than the plasma cutter would be the flamethrower, right? When you have to fight those little oh, I never enemies use that spill out. Never use it. Yeah. Well, I'm saying like the only reason that I would ever want to use that yeah. is that when you shoot those bloater enemies, if you shoot them in the belly, then they birth a bunch of these little yeah. fucking annoying things that'll jump on you. Mm. And that's the only instance I could ever think that I would use something other than the plasma cutter. Yeah. But again, to the strengths of that plasma cutter, a majority of the time, if especially when you're playing on more hardcore difficulties, it doesn't take many hits to die mm-hmm. so i'm going to rely on the weapon that is the yeah. most versatile in you know again the maneuverability of that uh barrel and whatnot and mm-hmm. you know you get to these different stages of okay i can either cripple it from one of its uh talons that it's going to strike me with or i can kneecap it basically so it has to crawl around which only gives you about two seconds to catch your breath before it starts crawling at you or leaping at you um, and the idea that i would ever mess around with an arsenal that at times was not as reliable yeah. of a weapon because, you know, it has a weird hit pattern or perhaps it's all flash and very little substance in terms of damage output. 
I'm not going to mess around with those because at the end of the day, it's the thing where it's like, well, I'm going to, it's old reliable, right? Yeah. The plasma cutter never lets me down because it's the most versatile for a combat scenario, no matter, you know, whether enemies are standing or uh, crawling. Yeah. I think the argument that could be made here is that it's something that is requiring you to go back again and again with the understanding you've learned from previous playthroughs and just sort of go back and think, well, I can use this weapon here. But I hate to say, you know, there's a lot of the game where these jump out moments aren't memorable enough that you're going to go, oh yeah, I've got to do this for this bit or that for that bit. They just happen and you kind of expect them to happen, but you don't know exactly what enemies are going to come out. So you'd have to be pretty fucking meticulous you know, to really get the best out of that. And again, something the sequels really refine and make the most of is that, that you do get a better sense of where you should use these weapons. But the first game, yeah, that, that is definitely it's probably its biggest fault is it really does not make enough of these weapons uh, and really just makes them throw away. It's not the only game. Games to this day still make that mistake. So, you know, but um it also does benefit from having a really fucking good weapon in that plasma car. You know, it's like iconic levels. You know, the sort of stuff that people will make in real life, you know, craft their own fucking real life versions of this plasma, you know, not working. But, and they will do that you know, because it resonates with people. They're like, oh, that's cool. It's such a sick weapon. And I remember reading about you know, in reviews about just how hyped people were about that aspect of Dead Space back in the day. Yeah, you know, like, you know, how the plasma cut just felt like such a an exciting weapon. Like you were saying, it's like, you, you know, normally you get a pistol or something to that equivalent, a pistol or a knife or whatever. And then you go to the usual analogs. But this really did feel like a different beast in terms of having a weapon that you will carry with you the whole way through, no matter what else you find, because you get, a, you, know, you can character four weapons, you know, at any time and choose between them, which is good because, you know, it does at least encourage some experimentation. But this, like you said, it never leaves you. You, you want to keep using it because it really ties into what the enemies are about in terms of like taking them out and, you know, it's why for me the line cutter is a good sort of second option for that because when you get certain enemies that really you know take a bit more of a beating you know you can really just hit them with that and it's like it's like the shotgun equivalent of the plasma cutter you know it really just, just knock them back a bit better but yeah there, there's stuff in that game that's just needed refinement got it that refinement with the sequels bound to happen you know like that it does feel like they looked at that plasma cutter and said that's our fucking tentpole this is the thing we're, we're putting a fucking marquee poster on this weapon <laughs> and <laughs> everything else is kind of people like it they went like that and it works yeah i mean i i love any weapon that basically turns you into a surgeon mm. uh with the level of precision that you have and you know getting a little bit more into those enemy designs and how varied they are but at the same time are all connected by this, you know, dismembering that is so important to dropping any of them. But in terms of the variety, mm. again, coming back to something that I really appreciated about the atmosphere of Dead Space, the fact that 
a lot of them, you know, <laughs> you're going to get into some of the enemy designs where you're like, yeah, that's just there because it's fucking creepy and cool. <laughs> and it doesn't matter really the backstory behind it, thinking about like the bloater or something yeah. like that. But then there's enemies also that are a reflection of the world and of the ship, the Ishimura, right? Mm. Where you have those basically like little fetus enemies that run after you. And it's like, well, yeah, it's a mining colony and there's a colony down on the planet that they were investigating. So naturally with deep space, like people are either going to have kids or if they're going to be setting up these colonies, they ha are going to be, you know, having creating children through whether traditional or technology, yeah. technological means. Also, you have later in the game, you have those stasis enemies, yeah, that which are a byproduct of them being killed in their suits. And so when the infection spreads through them, it's going to take that technology and it's going to be an evolution on whatever the disease that, is that are necromorphs. That is one of the most consistent and, and really smart ideas I've seen in that game for sort of explaining an evolution of a, of a monster. You know, it's like yeah. that is, you know, they, they reason with it. Yeah. They explain it to you and say, you know, Oh, they had their stasis suits on. So blah, blah, blah. They, this happened. That was really cool. I yeah. I don't know how I kind of missed it the first time around, but it really did just feel like this amazing moment to sort of have to, yeah, they act like this in the mood like this because of that. And it works. It really does work because it's a method. And then after that, you don't question it. You know the difference. And I like the subtle differences you get between, you know, like, again, this lesson learned from Resident Evil, you know, the remake especially, the original. Yeah, it's like you can have variants on what you were expected of and um you see them it's telegraphed in how they look slightly different style how they move like that and it really works yeah it's it works so well for that whole game that you know while designs differ you are constantly in the loop about what they are, what they do, what they need to be killed. And that's it. You know, it's like you, and noises, there's certain noises they make. Yeah. You, know, you know, I think of the ones with the fucking big you know, gooey, <laughs> gooey hands, you know, and yeah. like that, and they make that <laughs> noise. It's like the exploding lollipop enemies. Yeah, that's what fucking hate to them. call them. Fucking hate them. <laughs> but but yeah. to your point, yeah, they have this audio cue that is differentiates them apart from the fact that they have this big mm. glowing orb. But situationally, especially when you're playing on those more hardcore difficulties, that can be the thing that makes you, you know, reassess your situational mm. surroundings and whatnot. You know, it really does yes. have you check the wall before you put your back to it, right? For the direction that yeah. you come from. Yeah, it really does. And it's like, you get into certain areas and you almost think straight away, it's like, well, this looks like a fucking kill box. So where shall I be for this environment? It's like, I suppose, again, this is another thing that age and, you know, you know saturation of horror brings to you where you, you don't really feel as intimidated by these things. So you kind of move around a bit more freely. You're not so cautious about everything. You hear it and you instantly start just sort of thinking, right, I've got to hit, I've got to hit. If I run around a bit, you know, the worst they can do is maybe have a swipe at me, but, you know, I'll know where they are, sort of thing. And, and it translates. It really does translate really well. And I think the most effective thing you can do for anyone that is well versed in horror is to keep putting surprises on people, you know, and 
yeah, disk space really does that. You know, I may be critical of the fact that it goes a bit too much and too hard on trying to push you with the dead scare and dead space scare tactics of like, yeah, here's the thing jumping out of this thing. But it's so well telegraphed. You know, it's so obvious most of the time. And it's like, don't worry about it. That those occasions then make you a bit vulnerable to when they do sort of surprise you on the odd occasion. Dead Space 2, again, evolves this by taking everything you learned about the original game and, like, uh, throwing in a few curveballs. But that original game does just push things in your face sometimes where you're like, yeah, I know where enemies are going to come from. I've got my back to this wall. I know where I've got to be. I've got my you know, spatial awareness. And then, you know, you didn't quite have the spatial awareness you thought you had. Again, repeated plays would make it more of an interesting sort of uh, strategy. In weirdly, in much the same way I would say about uh, an XCOM, you know, where I would think, yeah, it's like the more you get used to the systems you are playing in, the less intimidating it becomes, but there is still risk. You know, there's still something there. And it really has an element of that. And I was so impressed with that this time. Because no matter how many times I was like, oh, yeah, okay, I know what this is going to do. I know what that's going to do. You, you, you get an idea of what is going to be telegraphed to you and what is going to happen. You come around a corner and the game is constantly like, oh, there's the feet or an arse of an enemy. And then it <laughs> shifts off screen. It's like, okay, so we're going to get that one in a minute. Like that, it still manages to surprise you, which you know, for a game from 15 years ago is pretty surprising. You know, oh, yeah. especially a game as commercial as this, compared to you know the exciting uh, times of Valve at that time. You know, you know, it is for an EA game at that time. It is practically fucking cavalier. You know, to to have a game that. <laughs> It's like, yeah, it sure, we're copying a bunch of stuff, but we're still going to throw the odd bit of what the fuck at you. And it really does. It really does just push things forward. But those monster designs, as you were saying, are just, you know, while they all kind of follow a pattern, which I think is very much key to what it does as a game, they all are so distinct. You know, it's like, and they catch you out in ways that are absolutely special. When you think of the regenerating one that comes back time and again, which I like to call like the 2018 Michael Myers of enemies, you know, especially as it has these fucking lapdog scientists going, oh, we must release him and must test him in the field sort of shit. And, you know, <laughs> even with everything I've learned from games in the years since that game came out, I still fucking forgot that the fucking thing would regenerate. Like that, and I was still there just pumping shit into it and thinking, ah, I did it, and then getting surprised and owned on that bit. And I was like, oh, that's amazing. And that comes down to the design of the encounter, which I think is really smart, you know, where they just push this idea, that, oh, it's another enemy, just kill it, whatever. And you just hear those noise of it starting to regrow, like, fuck, 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 fuck. And just then every time you come back to that enemy that they escalate that idea of fuck where you're like okay well I know what I need to do I'll freeze it for a bit with this and then I'll 
chop its limbs off, whatever, and then I can move on. And then they have these little wrinkles of like, uh, now you've got to do a little puzzle here and there, and oh, just, just magical. Yeah, I, I love that. And yeah, the best evolution of what the regenerators did in Resi 4, you know, I think a common criticism actually of, um, Dead Space 2 was, was, you know, that end section with one of those kind of enemies where it just regenerates and keeps coming after you, keeps coming after you. But I like that. I, I really did like that it just felt like an intense, like unstoppable situation. It wasn't, you know, that you could kill it in a certain way, but you were never presented with that situation and time is against you because of everything that's going on in the game in itself. So it's, a shitty enemy design in a sense of like, oh yeah, the enemy that doesn't die, blah, 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 you keeps going back. But it works so well, you know? It's like, and the way it's designed and the lore behind it, fantastic. Well, that's the thing, right? And we've talked, we've basically danced around it enough at this point where it's like, it's not a big deal if you're drawing clear inspiration from other yeah. horror games or movies and whatnot. If you go, do the actual work behind that yes. and taking an influence and, you know, giving it a backstory that's original and actually, you know, integral to understanding why this creature is the way mm. that it is and whatnot. Also, you know, the way in which you're going to use it and make certain environments more tense or having the environment itself become a weapon to use against this, which quite literally is how you kill the regenerator yeah. in this, right? Is that you have that early on battle with it where it's like, okay, you're going to freeze it and transport it to another part of the ship. I don't have to worry about it in typical horror fashion. It shows up later, but now you're not freezing it. You know, dismembering doesn't work. So what do you do? You hit it with a spaceship jet engine, which is, you know, as about as metal of a way to kill something as there is. Yeah. But, you know, you mentioned earlier about surprises that enemies have. And I think too, that I skipped over that might bleed a little bit more into talking about the arsenal yeah. of uh, dead space is for starters, the bloater, mm. right? Which whenever you see a big thick enemy, you assume, well, if I shoot it before it gets to me, I'll be out of range from it, you know, spitting acid, right? That's the first thing that comes to mind. But in this, you get a nasty little surprise where it doesn't spit at you. If anything, it's more like a bullet mm. charges at you. But if you shoot it in the stomach enough, it explodes and it releases, you know, little fuckers. Uh, yeah. 30 little fuckers that are going to come out and cling to you and whatnot, which is a hassle to deal with. And if you don't have the right weapon equipped in that moment, you're pretty much dead unless you want to just run away from yeah, them. Or you spend your ammo and that's it, which is even worse. Yeah, yeah exactly. And again, that becomes less viable when you're playing on harder difficulties because mm. every shot counts, especially when you have to, you know, be as specific as to what you're hitting yeah. as you uh, need to be. But I think also what was a really great enemy was the one that kind of looks like a manta ray mm. that basically impregnates corpses oh, ones, and then yeah. creates a new necromorph, which is not only incredibly disturbing to see it kind of curl around this body and, and inject something into it, inject the necromorph uh, disease, if you will. But more importantly, that facilitates a real need for Isaac's stomping ability, yeah. right? Which is something we kind of skipped over. That is on, you know, face value, sure. It's fun to stomp bodies and whatnot once you've killed them. But more importantly, there's another layer of strategy there because if you aren't destroying corpses you come across, well, those might be huge ammo expenditures mm. if they get revived and then you have to contend with more necromorphs in a specific area. And again, that's just an aspect where like, sure, it's fun to crunch and bone and whatnot with Isaac, 
But having a practical gameplay purpose behind that, other than just opening a crate or, you know, again, running through corpses and whatnot, yeah. um, it just speaks to the idea that there are so many little bits and bobs from this game that you can kind of draw where their origin was originally from their influence. But at the end of the day, when you put all these things together, mm. it makes for an experience that just all of those influences work so well in tandem together. Yeah. I mean, yeah. same with the stasis field, right? That's more than just puzzle solving. And I love that it's versatile in its use from puzzle solving, but also it's practical in combat, yeah. um, which again is just, it's nice to have multiple facets of the different abilities that Isaac has, which is why in the sequel, when you can actually, you know, utilize the objects that you're picking up and hurling them at enemies, that's a fantastic evolution on yeah. the original. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, to the point where you can just rip bits off enemies and chuck them out. <laughs> yeah. It's just perfect. You know, I, I love that about it. And and just, it's a proof that, you know, an experimental idea can then just with um, a heavy crutch on obvious inspiration can then become something a bit more freeing, you know, something a bit more expensive. You know, I look at the series and especially about the first game and it becomes more clear why, you know, someone like John Carpenter is so in love with it, you know, it's because, you know, it has so many of the traits of what he does and has done, you know, and maybe that's why the later games really sort of connected with me, you know, beyond the obvious stuff like, you know, Dead Space 3 being, you know, on frozen planets and having a, a kind of the thing vibe to it but yeah it just something about the whole atmosphere of these games just resonates with me as a fan of John Carpenter so yeah it, it really just just makes something unique in the horror game space you know it's like this obvious action there's obvious gore and blood whatever but it just mixes a bunch of stuff together and really makes it work in the same way I always think of like you know, Carpenter's obvious influence on Resident Evil, and you know, like, oh yeah, you know, like um, Resident Evil 2's PlayStation has, uh, in the original game especially, has so much for assault on PlayStation 13, and you know, and you know, that to me was actually one of the things I really picked up on with Resident Evil 2 beyond you know, Romero's Dawn of the Dead. It was like, oh, this other film I really like is you know influencing, it. and it's like. You know, it's the perfect, you know, sandwich of things, you know, that really worked for me. Yeah, so, yeah, I, I, it really just ends up being something special because it takes the best bits of those influences and then splashes a little of what makes video games special, you know, especially survival horror. And, yeah, you, you get this once in a lifetime sort of concoction you know it's like while i may not have felt like that at the time absolutely believe that's true now you know going back to it is that it did something that people were like wow yeah this this yeah it's giving us what we craved you know all this time you know and um yeah it, it really does i would say also and um you you have a much better understanding of like history of horror and specific time periods for games than I do sometimes. And I think, correct me if I'm wrong, but in terms of Dead Space and its success mm. specifically when it originally came out back in 2008, it really did legitimize horror on that mm. console cycle, right? And I think that 
what really struck me in returning to the game is just how brutally violent the game is and how much carnage there is and how detailed that carnage is throughout. And I would say that Dead Space more or less is a household name for horror, right? Yeah. And it's the type of thing where coming to a game that is as big as Dead Space is, I'm still kind of blown away at just how hardcore of horror it actually is. You know, whether or not it lives up to being survival horror or not, and it's obviously much more action-oriented. At the end of the day, though, specifically in that time period, I struggle to think of any other horror games that were on console that were as well known as Dead Space. You know, there's always going to be a game here or there that is not going to resonate with the masses and it's more of a little niche title that finds success. But something like Dead Space that is this big AAA thing, Mm -hmm. it goes exceedingly harder than you would think it would for something that, you know, EA is behind, but at the same time, they want it to be this household kind of name. And it really doesn't reel back or shy away from being as hardcore in terms of the violence and the gore that's found within it. Yeah, and I think the biggest problem that series ended up facing was just when it came out. It was like, for the first game, it was great because it was refreshing. I'm sure for many people that it's like, Resident Evil isn't what I want it to be. This is something else. It feels a bit more horror-orientated. And by that point, you know, Resident Evil was coming with, five and the way that game was and really just started feeling less like a horror game you know um so something that was very much more into that vibe and really going for it worked for so many people and you know just having those unique angles like the plasma cutter and you know stuff like that um yeah there's so much about it that doesn't work now in terms of when you compare it to other horror game experiences, when you think of the mental health, you know, angle of this game where it's like you know, people suffering from a space alien version of dementia, it, it feels a little cringy to, to sort of go into. And then you think of what the Amnesia series has done in the years since then it kind of pushes, makes this seem more ridiculous in so many ways, or even Soma. And I just, for the time when it came out, when it, it, you're in the height of dude bro gaming, you know, where gaming has gone beyond just being about the people that are nerdy, whatever, and like that. It's gone to, you know, it's mainstream. People play Call of Duty, and that ends up being the death of this series because that game series then makes every other game series have to reach a level that isn't fair or possible, you know, an EA being that kind of company as they are, were running for that. You know, they got the success of the first game and they totally, totally misunderstood what Visceral could do with it like that. And it doesn't impact as much in Dead Space 2, where I think they kind of got to do a bit more of what I wanted to do, but they're you know, like, oh, you must have an expansion. You must have stuff that requires an online pass because of all the stuff that was going on around then where they're like, we don't want to lose money from second-hand copies, you know, which you know now is obviously less of a relevance because digital is a thing where it, it becomes less of a problem. You know, if, if digital resales become a thing, you can guarantee that will come back. But, you know, you see in the third game where, you know, you can see the butchering of what is a really good idea and I think it's still a very good game. Uh, but there's so much bullshit around it and just so much stuff that painted the game in a bad light. And then EA d- didn't see its role in why that didn't work. You know, like that. 
Uh, I think when later in the year when we do talk about the series as a whole for the 15th anniversary, I will probably go into two and three and why I think you know they, they really do evolve on the concept in such smart ways. But they also just get hampered with that, you know, the stuff that, you know, the corporate business stuff that really just killed a franchise in five years. You know, it's like the new savior of survival horror. Oh, but by the way, no one wants horror anymore. So you're dead now like that. And, you know, then Visceral working on a battlefield spinoff that no one liked and then doing bits of games that also failed. And then they were shuttered. And that's, you know, my biggest pet peeve with the remake is as much as, you know, I understand that people making it have an affection and a love for the original game and franchise, it's not visceral doing it. You know, it's like, and then the people doing it, yes, they've gone on to make the Callisto Protocol and then that's had its own problems, whatever, whatever. But it's devastating that, you know, it's like, and kind of, makes me irate that EA can be like, no, we'll just remake this now. Because we now suddenly we believe in the popularity of this series that we didn't 10 years ago. And that bit of it really annoys me. And that is where I have my most, you know, insane trepidation where I'm thinking the things that could go wrong with this if they really are just misunderstanding or not reading the room about this franchise. But yeah, it, we shall see. Not long to go. Yeah, you know, I thought we could, before we wrap up, we could briefly talk about some of the confirmed changes mm. that are coming to the remake, which again, we're going to yeah. get our hands on closer towards the end of the month. But aside from kind of what we mentioned, right, Isaac is going to be fully voiced now. Hesitant about that decision. We'll see which, you know, how that plays out because it is such a difficult sort of balancing act. Yeah between having something worthwhile to contribute while at the same time not wanting to be just this obnoxious character that just has to have a quip for everything that yeah. they do. One of the more major subst- or sub- more substantive uh, additions is the interconnected aspect of all the different sections of the game and how they're going to have backtracking with that also. And yeah. the fact that it's not just going back to get a few resources, but it's that there are going to be sections of it that are not only new, but that can be unlocked once you get perhaps more power nodes later down the road and then be like, oh, yeah, maybe marking this area or something yeah. like that. But incentivizing to return to specific environments. Like, how do we feel about them fleshing out the Ishimura a bit more? I mean, I think that's always feels like the best thing to do. It's no surprise they return there in the second game. In a way, just sort of give you a bit of another sniff of that. But... Yeah, as I was saying earlier, it's like as much as you know, it was obvious that it was a game structured around a hub and levels. It's like it still kind of had the connection between places. So to actually get that real connection is a must, I think, this time around because it worked then, and you can accept it for the game it was then. Now. If they're spending this much money on it and really making it and going for it and trying to make it different whilst still the same, you have to make it feel like a coherent whole. And doing that with new areas, maybe, and like having the backtracking, and backtracking is essential. You know, it's like if you want to make it feel survival horror, even in Capcom's revival of Resident Evil, there hasn't been enough of the backtracking in many of the games you know, for me. 
Certainly not with the remakes. You know, I think 7 and 8 had a bit more of it, but the remakes have not really gone there as much as they used to. They, they've sort of tried to push you to go with the story, go with the story. And, you know, even the original Dead Space does that a lot. But, you know, there's always stuff to go back and unlock and find like that. And there was always this sense of, you know, these rooms you couldn't get to and they felt like you should and like that. And it was good to sort of, and healthy to sort of think, well, maybe, maybe there's a way to get there one day. So, yeah, having a more expanded ship, you know, it's a big ship. You know, and I, I think you could really sell the size of it considering, you know, ninety percent of the game takes place on it. Yeah, you know, um Yeah. and as the original game showed, there's plenty of variety there. You know, you don't just have to be about corridor, corridor, corridor. There's other stuff. Yeah, and I think beyond that, just changing up my expectations of like choreographed moments like oh this happens then this happens then it's like just throwing up the odd little change without I suppose when I look back on Resident Evil 2 and we, we I sort of made grievances about certain things that cut out you know and said it's like, how could they not make this a part of the game like where you're more interactive with it like you know the alligator scene and stuff like that there isn't really many parts of Dead Space that are like that yeah, you know, right. it's there are moments, but I think if I could ask for one wish, is a better telegraphed set of jump scares. It's like because if you're going to do them, make them work. Yeah, it's like have the uncertainty, but also for a few that are more in your face and like unexpected, like you know, circumnavigate the globe somewhat and really check in with something a bit different in terms of how you do a jump scare. Difficult to see, you know, because you don't really have any prior with this, with the company doing this, in terms of how they will handle it. But I'm hoping, you know, they can handle it. I mean, if anything has been shown with the Callisto protocol, it's that even having that sort of background in it doesn't mean you will necessarily understand how to do horror and right. but and as I said before, I still think that was there always with Visceral that they got it to a degree, and sometimes it worked. But it's a very particular kind of horror, and it if you go really far back, it's the same arguments that used to be made when people were comparing Resident Evil or Silent Hill. Yeah, you, know, you have the, the chin strokers, the moustache twitchers, who would say, you know, it's like Silent <laughs> Hill. Yeah, it's like it's psychological or it's deeper, it gets into your brain, oh, it's smarter. And that's not untrue at all. But, you know, they then would dismiss what Resident Evil is. Oh, it's a bunch of jump scares. It's like, and we've seen this so many times in horror. You know, people will yeah. say, oh, jump scares are unworthy. They're not worth anything. It's like, no, no, if you do it right, they're perfect. They work brilliantly. And the original Dead Space just does too many of them. And not all of them work. But when they do work, when the situation's right and you're not certain about where it's coming from, or it really does just throw you off when you've been expecting the door to open and something to pop out for the 15th time and you've let your guard down because it hasn't happened and then it happens. Those are the best moments. And building on that would be perfect. Well, I think that that's part of what is interesting about this new, you know, intensity AI director, which is yeah. like the fancy label for saying basically they're going to repopulate specific areas mm. once you revisit them with more enemies and things like that. 
it'll be interesting to see how they're able to do that in a way that isn't just having new enemies pop out of the same places yeah. that they did previously. Um, I think that that adds a level of engagement that you don't normally have when you're backtracking, right? Mm -hmm. Normally it's like, okay, yeah, there might be a few other enemies, but they come out of the same access points. And I think that they will really prove their ability with just how in the weeds they want to get with providing new experiences within this yeah. remake in the terms of how they're able to facilitate those environments and evolve on them. Because if there is this added emphasis on exploration, you need to make those environments interesting again, or at least have a similar level of tension to them that mm -hmm. they did originally. I will say one thing I'm looking through the features that are going to be included here that's the most interesting to me is these circuit breakers, which will, you know, have Isaac have to reroute power between two different functions mm -hmm. to be able to progress through an environment. But both of those options that you have, what, the example is he can either cut power from the lights or he can cut the oxygen supply. Yeah. And so he has to deal with the ramifications of those choices and how he goes through an environment. And I think that that not only kind of like peaks my survival horror brain in being like, oh, there's going to be more challenge outside of what I remember yeah. from the original Dead Space in certain areas, but also, you know, the ebb and flow of how my current run is going on like a hardcore difficulty. In a certain instance, perhaps I've been upgrading my rig more so I don't have to worry about a lack of oxygen, yeah. but a lack of light could be an issue mm. when I've got half a mag left or something like that. And I think those little sort of choices that the player has to make, it's all on the player to decide how difficult they want this to be, but it can give some really interesting anecdotes for yes. specific areas based on how my run is going. Cause you know, nobody plays the same, plays a game the same as the other person. No. So perhaps, you know, you're flush with ammo in a section that I'm not cause I was careless. Well, I upgraded my rig enough, so I don't have to worry about mm. a lack of oxygen. I just, I think changes like that or additions like that are the types of things that make games or really do force the player, I suppose, to address a new type of strategy that might fundamentally change how yeah. they approach future areas. Um, I will say also, you know, that says here that certain sections of the environments are going to have maybe a new locked zone or something yeah. that can unlock a side quest that fleshes out character backstories. Like it, the example is for Nicole, who, yeah. you know, again, there aren't really any strong characters, I think, in this game. Okay, without going into spoilers, where do you go with that story? It's like, un unless you're flashbacking, you know, it's like it's, um, and that would surely give it away. You know, it, I, th I think, though, that like there is that, if we're going to have Isaac be voiced more, right, there's more opportunities for him to be emotionally engaging as a yeah. character. Perhaps a sliver more than just a man in a mm. suit, right? I don't think that it's going to be, you know, a 180 on the character Isaac Clarke in this remake. But at the same time, if you flesh out Nicole more, and it doesn't have to be something that hints to her fate or, you know, uh, uh, what occurred previously mm. to Isaac arriving, but just making her a person more than just like a plot device, yes. like just the love interest, which is all she is in the game. And, you know, for the purpose of that story, that's very simplistic. It works, but, you know, having more sort of chips into the emotional well-being of these characters mm. or just them actually being fleshed down into actual people that perhaps have an arc of some sort, yeah. I could see that being interesting or at least giving me a reason to want to return to an area without, you know, oh, I need more plasma rounds or more health packs or something. Like, I'm always in favor of more emphasis on a story yes. or fleshing out of characters um, as I know, obviously you are, but I think that's just a facet of the game that could be interesting, but it's just 
how committed EA wants to be to that outside mm. of one or two moments so that way they can just say, oh, this is a new feature that's in the game. Yeah. So one other thing that's came up in my head now that really wasn't addressed in those previous games, despite having a survival horror element, was actual survival in the proper sense that not everything has to be a fight. You know, Dead Space really does focus on the fights. Again, another surprising thing about complaints about uh, the Calisto Protocol being very much like fight heavy as like, yeah, Dead Space was. So it's always been there. You, you don't, you're rarely allowed to avoid it. I think there's like two sections in the original game where you can just sort of go, no, nope, fuck off, I'm out of it, and, and avoid enemies entirely after a certain point. But you still have to engage enemies in that zone at some point. So, yeah, a bit more of a smart avoidance would be cool. Mm-hmm. You know, if it doesn't happen with this game, the inevitable remake of the sequel, you know, will um, be a good place where, you know, the, the opening of that game is very much about, like, well, you've got attack, so run, sort of thing. Um, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, you know, one of the most intimidating openings, you know, I think you could get to it, a horror game where you are utterly vulnerable with no hands to use and you are running through a situation that you've only just woken up into so yeah if they could tap into a little bit of that on occasion in this remake brilliant I love it but yeah I, I don't necessarily expect it this time around they could also make melee combat be a little more viable perhaps yeah yeah. <laughs> especially when my back's against the wall and I've got no ammo it's like every time I use melee I'm just like oh well this is a death sentence but uh, yeah, again, it'll be interesting just to see from a standpoint of like how they rebalance mm. certain elements of the game. I'm really, really fascinated in a way that I wasn't expecting to uh, be, to be honest. Mm. You know, I was like, oh, yeah, I want to play a prettier version of a game that holds uh, a special place in my heart. But at the same time now, I'm just intrigued to see, you know, how EA is going to actually like lean into some of yeah. these features that, you know, on paper sound great. But time and time again, we've seen when these big companies are like, oh, well, now horror is hot. So let's tap into this franchise that could, you know, potentially sell better than the original ever did and probably will. But to the degree that like they are actually going to amend elements that were, you know, somewhat of a hindrance, we'll say, um, in the original. It's just, again, how deep in the weeds they want to get. Yeah, I mean, there's an air of like we've murdered this person, please um, sponsor our fundraiser for um, <laughs> remembering their life sort of thing about yeah. what EA are doing with this series. <sighs> but, you know, it, that part of it is always going to lend a bit of trepidation to it uh, because as a developer, they've shown time and again, even with stuff they're bloody familiar with, it will not just learn a fucking lesson. You know, I think of DICE and everything they've done with their... You know, an in-house studio that's done so much for them, and they still don't fucking get things right. You know, like it's like his new Battlefield. Let's remember nothing about what worked <laughs> before. I, I remember distinctly in that period of time in the 2010s that um, you went from Battlefield Bad Company to, and it being like the peak of what Dice were doing, like you know, and making a really fun console experience in terms of like it wasn't Call of Duty. But EA straight away looked at the success of that and thought, you know what we should do with the next one? Call of Duty. <laughs> In the same way they, they right. looked at Dead Space and saw what Resident Evil was doing numbers-wise with Resident Evil 5 and going, you know what we should do with Dead Space? Make it more like that. Oh, and also 
don't let the pause have it. So um, let's make sure we've got the online pass and stuff like that. And those two things combined, it's just a bad, bad route. You know, the, the companies EA really just decimated during that time is criminal. And, you know, a good reason why they were so hated as a company, whereas now it's very much a, a pitiful shrug at most of what they do and saying, yeah, look at you now, look at you now sort of thing. And, you know, they, they can garner this sort of short-termism of um, much of the gaming community in terms of just saying, oh, look, shiny new Dead Space. You know, and the asterisk is tiny in the bottom of it saying, as I just forget that we fucked over the company that made this series uh, in a space of five years because we wanted more money than they could ever conceivably make out of it because it was always profit above artistry. And, yeah, like I said before, always going to be a bugbear for me with this and the remake. I want to like it. I want to enjoy it because I so love this series more so now having replayed this original game. And now, mm. now as a trilogy, I think it's a really tight trilogy that knits together nicely without ever being one of those stone faced, super serious games, you know, in the same way that I love <laughs> Resident Evil for being that, you know, it was, right. it was cheesy. It was melodramatic and it had epicness to it. It just felt right, you know, and it really fit with what I liked about horror at that time. And Dead Space as a trilogy kind of does that too. So, and even like the spin-offs and stuff, you know, there was something valid in them and the expansions and things like that. But it it just ended up being a series that fought against the things being imposed upon it. And, you know, it was so clear. And that burnout, you know, were two franchises I adored in their own ways and they were killed and the companies behind them were pretty much killed and written into nothingness you know and yeah it makes it a sort of melancholy side to this hype cycle where when you are more involved in this business that you can't kind of ignore it you know it's like as much as you want to be excited about the new game oh it's a new this it's like much as I was with Capcom when they were finally announced Resident Evil 2 Remake, there was this side of me was like, yeah, but they also just basically told this indie developer that was making their own version of a remake to fuck off and not use the license so they could make this license. And if they hadn't made Resident Evil 7, that would have been like, no, fuck it, I'm not going anywhere near that. But but they did things the right way. They, they understood where the process needed to go where the series need to go next. I don't have that trust with the EA. You know, I, I look at stuff like the, their annual franchises and how they never learn. Anyone who does the annual, annual franchise doesn't really seem to learn because they kind of depend on a fan base on buying that and going, well, yeah, we might fix it later. Maybe we'll fix it next year. Who knows? Fuck it. Like that. And then when it comes to these titles, it's like they either under-advertise or they undersell the quality of them and they don't do justice to the ones that are actually good. I think of Titanfall 2, you know, I mean, there's it's happening again, you know, where there's a company that made a really good fucking game that was their own IP, doing great, excellent. Titanfall series could have been the next big thing. Apex Legends has pretty much buried that and obviously they're doing the Star Wars stuff as well, so... We'll never get a time for free unless things, and if we do, it won't be by that. And so, yeah, long rant, but yeah, <laughs> it's like that's 
the complex nature of EA for me. Yeah, there can't be a, constantly been in a cycle of my gaming time for you know, decades, and yeah, you know, there are ups and downs, but even the ups kind of have this caveat to them where you're like, you could do so much better with the money of, uh, available to you, but you can see where profit is like a thing they want most, you know, and uh, not as bad as Activision, but still it, it's up there in terms of that level. But hey, yeah, all the same, Dead Space <laughs> as original game and as a remake, I hope it does well because... The, that series needs a revival. You know, I'd love that to be. I'd love to be proved wrong in thinking that it will miss the mark somehow. But yeah, because I want I want strong big horror franchises, and I don't want it to just be that all these big names are coming back just because they're sniffing blood in the water. You know, and I'd like them all to individually succeed with new people like that. Because you know, I said it. Before I think, you know, when we were talking about um, Silent Hill announcements and how people react to Bloober Team and being all like hysterical about the idea of the new company ever touching Silent Hill, it's like Dead Space isn't made by the same people. The remake, Resident Evil isn't the same people. Death May Cry wasn't when it came back for five wasn't the same people, and yet they got free passes. And it's like because they were still, I suppose, in country, if you will. To, to where they were made so yeah I hope they all succeed in their own ways and, and we don't ever have to, this debate about well or caveat about what company made it but uh, it starts with this game this month and hopefully continues as a testament I think to how well the original game holds up even some of our you know um, qualms still with it aside we both are debating diving right back into Dead Space 2 right mm-hmm. to get right back to the heart of that trilogy that we both hold in such high regard. And I actually have it installing while, while we've been talking, I, I uh, put it in my queue to dive right into uh, space too. This, yeah, I'm on it again, so. <laughs> there you go. See? And I think that that's not something that you can say about a lot of games mm-hmm. that are of this, you know, especially playing the original and then there being so many, you know, quality of life improvements to the sequel, even though, you know, getting through the original game and there being, some uh, some elements that have not aged the best, I think. It is exciting still to be getting this remake yeah. that could quite possibly remove those god-awful turret sections from the original Dead Space, you know, <laughs> God, uh, hopefully. Uh, <laughs> but uh, it is the type of thing that I think is exciting mm. to see. This is probably the one remake that's coming out, you know, thinking along the lines of like Resi 2 um, in terms of like, being surprised by the changes that were in that, but then mostly, you know, building upon and making that an even more preferred way to play that game that we both love so much. I think it'll be really interesting to see a game that, you know, I definitely have a special uh, place for in my heart again, Um, but seeing if they're able to really iron out those rough bits in a way that, you know, make it my preferred way to play Mm. Dead Space, right? Because Dead Space 1 is not a game that I really return to with any frequency. I think this is maybe the third time I've played it, but just again, thinking about it in terms of this trilogy and them ironing out all those rough edges, I think, makes it really, really exciting for not only the return or the revitalization of Dead Space, but what the future can hold, whether that's a new title, whether they go through, you know, two and three and that gets a similar treatment. Um, I think that's really interesting and really promising while still being mindful, perhaps, of of EA doing the original creators fairly dirty, uh, as we've 
covered. But yeah, I look forward to chatting more about Dead Space, not only at the end of the month with the remake, but later in the year. Yeah. Because Dead Space has a big anniversary and, uh, you know, we'll plan on chatting a little more in depth, perhaps about the remake, but more importantly, two and three, I yes. think, because that's, uh, you know, there's a lot of history there. There's a lot of feelings there and there's a lot of experimentation uh, the further the series goes on. And uh, I think that'll be interesting to revisit Absolutely. at a later date. But uh, for now, that's going to do it for us in Dead Space. And uh, as always, it's a pleasure chatting horror with you for Safe Room. Yeah, until the next time. Thank you for listening to another episode of Safe Room. If you enjoy the show, please rate us on iTunes and follow us on Twitter at Safe Room Pod for show updates. You can also join our Discord channel, Safe Room Podcast, to chat with us and other horror fans about the genre we all love. You can also drop us an email over at saferoompod at gmail.com if you'd like to share your thoughts on a game we're going to cover. Thanks again for listening, and we'll see you guys next Monday.